All right, welcome back to the Boston Season Podcast. This is Stephen Michael. This is episode two of season two, two for two. And this season's podcast theme is Black Women in Sports Media. So last episode, I started with the hometown Jasmine Brown from PG County, where I'm from. And if you don't know, if you do know, I'm currently residing in New Jersey. So since I'm in New Jersey, let's talk to a notable figure on the New Jersey sports scene, but also a national sports scene as well. We have Renee Rosherton. She is an analyst. She's been an anchor. She does podcasts. She covers various beats through Fox 1340, the Mystics, the Atlanta City Blackjacks of the former AFL, and even ESPN Plus with some Ivy League coverage. She has a Masters. She has her MBA. She was even a three-time All-American and two-sports star at LaSalle, soccer and track. She is amazing, and I'm very excited to have her on. She, I've known her through one of some of my sports media circles, and I think she really has a very unique story. And I think today's episode is beyond the pitch so her life outside of soccer when her soccer career ended she instantly grabbed on grabbed her skills and really got busy doing so many amazing things within the sports media scene as well outside of sports media so we're going to have her on have her talk about her amazing athletic career in college and also talk about her various roles within the sports media scene and how she's able to juggle it all so this is Stephen michael Paul Season Podcast, Season 2, Black Women Sports Media. And the next voices you will hear will be, of course, me and my guest, Renee Washington. All right, welcome back to the Paul Season Podcast. I'm Stephen Michael. This is Season 2, Episode 2, like I said in the intro. And today, we have somebody who's very booked and busy. I really do not understand how she sleeps. And every time I go on a timeline, she's dropping new content. Coming live, I'm meeting herself from New Jersey. We have Renee Washington. Hello, Renee. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Your intro made me laugh because as we speak, I'm in the car just leaving Um something for for work so booked and busy is an understatement but um thrilled that we were able to make this happen because i appreciate the work you do so i'm happy to be here yes i think that's just the world of the pandemic we're, we've seen living rooms people coming live from their kitchens their rooms now we have somebody come live from the car i love the creativity oh, yeah. here oh yeah <laughs> gotta stay <laughs> booked and busy so we will start with the pregame. Like I said, episode one, we're doing segments. We don't, we're going to be, Renee, I'm trying to be more organized in this podcast and space. So I love that. New year, new you. New season, new year, new you. I'm all about it. Yeah, new season, new Steven. Well, you just got to keep, we got to keep Ooh, it right there. Oh, hey, okay. Yeah, you know, I got to brand everything. I'm like Brian. He taught me, he taught me everything. <laughs> <laughs> now that is spot on. Yes, I get that. I get that. So we're starting with a little bit of tennis and soccer. So our lovely superstar, Naomi Osaka has become a stakeholder in the North Carolina Courage women's soccer team. So I'll ask, I'll ask this question as well. For you, Renee, if you were on a women's soccer team, where would you place the team and what would you call the team? 
Um, well, first of all, I love that power move. Um, I, I love the fact that athletes are becoming stakeholders in other sports teams. You see it with Naomi did it. Uh, Kevin Durant actually is a stakeholder for the Philadelphia Union, who I work with. Candace Parker just became a stakeholder for the, one of the L.A. teams. Um, it's, it's great to see. It's, it's genius. I'm like, when, what team can I put some money in? I don't have now the way my bank account is set up. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> um, but that it's it's incredibly smart. So I mean, if I had to pick a team, being that I played with Sky Blue and I grew up in the New Jersey area, I probably would um, want to be a stakeholder for that team. It is a, a franchise in the NWSL that's smaller, that's a little more underfunded, and is is growing. But I am very close actually with the current GM and a lot and players and people within the team and have personal experiences. So I'd love to be a part of that to help it grow. If I had to create a new franchise and bring a new team into the league. You know, I think I'd want to go somewhere in, in a major city. Um, you know, I know there's a team in Orlando and, and there's a team out. Um, there's some teams out West, but I think I'd want to be in a, in a big city, whether it's like um, LA, New York, or, um, or like Miami. Like, I'm, you know what, you know what, I'm going to say Tampa because I'm actually extremely inspired by the way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just had their boat parade for winning the Super Bowl. The so if a city is going to celebrate that big, that was so lit. It looked incredible. I had extreme FOMO. So if I had to bring a team to a city, I'm going to Tampa Bay. And we, when we win a championship, I expect boats. I expect the trophy to be tossed from boat to boat. I expect <laughs> all of that. So that's where I'm headed. Now, Taking will you be walking Tampa. out of a gate <laughs> slightly tilted like Tom Brady or were oh, you absolutely. Like <laughs> no I'm Tom all the way I am so Tom and I, and I would probably be Tom too and that I bet he only had like two beers um because everyone you know Tom is Tom but I loved it I loved watching the the way that it progressed from like fun oh Tom's rolling up in his two million dollar boat to Tom stepping out of the gate needing help you know the progression of that was so fun to watch I'm tossing the Vince Lombardi I'm all for it because you know what YOLO now I'm not for the maskless celebration that oh yeah, yeah yeah no but I'm okay with the way that they they went hard because when you win a championship I expect nothing less she said it best all right so how do you for me well it is major to my heart but I think you probably know where I want to put these places team so I will call my team 993 soccer club and we oh. based in a dm now you probably know or do not know a 993 or 990 somewhere around there even 990 or 993 is a name of a famous new balance shoe it was gray and everybody in growing up in pg county dc maryland we wore that shoe so i think my new balance will be my sponsor so it'll be 993 DMV and we'll be based in DMV. Because I think about it, we have regional teams like the Carolina Panthers, doing and Pages. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Renee, why don't we have a pro sports team that play in more than one area? So for me, my women's soccer team will be playing in Virginia, DC, and Maryland. And we're just going to take over the region. So if I was Ooh, okay. soccer, I'm not a good gentleman. I'm just the owner who's actually one of those hands-on owners like Mark Cuban. I will be... That'll be my team, and that's why we play this team at. I would totally be a Mark Cuban. I like that. I like that. Like the hands-on, the, the fun owner that like gets to make all the fun decisions and, and then steps up and says things like we're not gonna play the national anthem. That'd be me. So I'm all for that. Not the not the boring owner that just sits back and like never speaks. But I like that concept. That's very innovative of you. Yes, I will be the owner who will 
bust a salary cap open. I will buy, I will get all the top players and we're just gonna dominate and we're just gonna run up the score. Like you said, I will be throwing trophies. Well, I'm gonna be um so, yeah, we'll be going to Chesapeake Pay and just throwing a trophy over the Bay Bridge, and that's what it is. So <laughs> yes. So pregame part two, we scratch and we warmed up. Okay, growing up for you, who was your favorite black women figures within sports media? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I was actually a huge David Aldridge fan for, for specifically for reporters, um, which is great that now I do know him personally, but I was a huge fan of his and his work. Um, in terms of like other reporters, I've always been a huge fan of like Carrie Champion, especially Carrie Champion when she was back with like first take and, and her emergence onto the, the way she broke onto the scene in that sense. Um, but actually there weren't many. Like, I, I think that's partly why I try to do what I do as a reporter, because I just remember growing up, I never thought that reporting was a job I could have. You know, there weren't as many black reporters that really connected with me in, in that way that I looked up to and aspired to be like. So I try to hopefully change that for some other young girl or boy to, to be able to look up to me and want to be like Renee. Um, but yeah, definitely in terms of black people, that I've seen in the, in the industry, I would say, um, um, of course, David Aldridge and, and Carrie Champion. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely two of the, the bigger names that have, that have always been someone that I'm like, oh, I want to be like, I want to be like them. Stuart Scott, of course, another one, uh, without uh, a doubt. So yeah, there, there just aren't, there weren't as many growing up. Like when you think back compared to now, it, it wasn't as, as diverse. And it still isn't as diverse as it should be. Spot on. Not as diverse as it should be. So the question was for women. We're going to make you, but you mixed it. So I think for me, Stuart Scott, I think I was like, the, I think he was like the coolest guy ever. Like me and my days, we watched Sports Center like at six or seven. Mm -hmm. And he just spit out phrases that I didn't know because growing up, I was raised in church. I don't know a lot of rap references, but I learned a lot from Stuart Scott. So Stuart Scott, this is an interesting one, but it's actually quite obvious because she was really the only one at the time. I think Pam Oliver. I remember oh watching. yeah, and like Lisa Salters, Pam Allen, yeah. Robin. Okay, I'm thinking of more people now, but yeah, that's that's a that's definitely uh, seeing P Pam Oliver. That's a great one. That's a great one. Because of course we have Christina Pink now with Fox and people going in, but uh -huh. when growing up, I remember. Now I'm one of those guys. I only watch certain sports on certain channels. So right now I'm watching NBA on TNT. It's on. I think growing up, I used to watch that 4:15 Fox football slot religiously. I don't care <laughs> who was playing. And, and I always saw Pam Oliver. So Pam Oliver, uh -huh. if I can mention another Black woman, um, a lot of people didn't really see her until maybe she got on Sportsnet or maybe her show before, but Jamel Hill. Yeah. When yeah. Her show used to be called Numbers Never Lie. I used to stand at the bus stop in high school and also in middle school, I used to hit, listen to her and Michael Smith's podcast early 2010s. So... Of course, we kind of give her some slander now on Twitter. We still love her dearly, but Jermail Hill really, really stuck with me as I kind of went into undergrad and got into sports. So it seems like you're already warmed up because you're just a pro. I think I got my rest off. Renee, are you ready to start the episode? Are you ready to start the game? Ready to oh, kick yeah, off? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So you have a very accomplished, your trophy room must be full. You have a very accomplished collegiate career. So let's talk about athletics and the school you attended okay 
Yeah, so in terms of athletics, Renee, so what two sports did you play, play and what was your actually your number one sport you played in college? Yeah, so I played growing up a lot of different sports. I, um, my parents, you know, I, I come from a sports family. So they introduced us and exposed us to a variety of sports. I was in a big basketball family. Actually, my dad played professionally overseas. My mom played in college. My, you know, I had an uncle that played in the NFL. I have an uncle that was a professional boxer. Like sports runs in deep in my veins. Like that, I am truly from a sports family. Um, so we were exposed to every sport. We played every sport. Basketball was definitely a main one. And I followed in my older two sisters' footsteps. They played AAU basketball, travel basketball, rec basketball, travel soccer, uh, rec soccer. And soccer actually ended up being my better sport. You know, I was very good in track. I was good in basketball. I had offers for, for both sports, for both basketball and soccer. Um, but I actually ended up being a two-sport athlete in college. I played soccer and ran track in college at LaSalle in Philly. And um, soccer was hands down my best sport. You know, it, was, it wasn't even close. You know, I was fortunate to be a part of a lot of different team accolades, individual accolades and honors. Uh, I still hold records there. I what, did go on to have an opportunity to play some professionally before hanging it up, so to speak. But, you know, soccer has been my, you know, my, the way that I've opened a lot of doors, the way that I've been able to connect with a lot of people. So definitely was my main sport. Um, I played with a number of players that still play in the MLS, or the NWSL today. Um, players that are on the U.S. women's national team. You know, I, I grew up and played with some of the best of the best. So I'm fortunate that I was able to have opportunities to be exposed to so many different sports. And I, you know, for me, it was school and then running from practice to practice or game to game, eating dinner in the car, doing homework in the gym or at the field. That was my childhood and I loved it and I loved it. And it has really prepared me today when I, when I think about how I'm able to juggle so much, it's because I've, I've been doing it all my life. You know, I was a multi-sport athlete my entire life juggling. Even in college, I had eight internships and I was a two-sport athlete and I did have really good grades too. Um, so, you know, I'm just used to juggling so many different things and, and, and that's the way I've always operated. You know, I want to be the best, but I've always wa wanted to diversify myself. I don't want to just be like someone else. I don't want to just, you know, be another. I want to be my own. I want to be someone that others can look up to, that's inspirational in some way, that's paving the way for others and just kind of breaking down those, those doors um, so that I'm not just in a box in that sense. So if you can't tell in all that I've always done, it's always been to strive to be more than just average in all aspects. Ooh, a flex. Just... <laughs> greatness on a on the phone so i'm gonna let you flex a little bit so according to your bio you are a three-time all-american and you took you helped take your team to an ncaa tournament how was that experience so not a lot of athletes can say that i took a team or participated in a postseason game in college how was that for you Oof. you know that was an experience i mean it, it's crazy because it feels like it was a whole different life i like feel so washed up and old now um it feels like that was an eternity ago but yeah I was fortunate that I was a three-time All-American I was an academic All-American and a soccer All-American so you know I, I I do like to make note of that where possible but I even like a lot of people don't know that I was actually voted um a top 50 women in all NCAA athletics in 2014 like of all sports of all women I was voted one of the top 50 
I don't know what that's based on, to be honest, but I'll take that honor and run with it. But, you know, I think one of the biggest things for me was I was able to find a school that helped me grow. You know, I was able to be a part of a program where we were on the pinnacle of doing so many great new things. And I was able to be a part of that. And I always tell students to this day, whether it's whether it's looking for a college or even looking for a job, find somewhere that you're going to grow. Find somewhere that has the foundation, the pieces that align with who you are, that's going to allow you to be at your best. You can go somewhere like I could have gone to. I was looking at schools like UConn and Georgetown. I could have gone to a big school, a bigger school in that sense, in terms of conference, that's in a major conference, but I probably would not have had the same experience because I probably would not have been able to, to, to have people around me and in, the, and in an environment around me that allowed me to grow. Same thing within the work, in the workplace and in a professional world. So, you know, I was able to help lead LaSalle. We won conference championships. We did make our first NCAA tournament ever, actually in LaSalle history for, for women's soccer. And we went three straight years, sophomore year, all the way through. I set the bar higher with my classmates of, this is the expectation that you're gonna win championships and you're gonna get to the NCAA tournament. So it was really cool, um, you know, being able to see our team on Sunday, Sunday for the seating, when our name flashed across the screen, it was, all, it was awesome, it was awesome. It was an experience that honestly, I look back on that felt like a dream. But it was incredible because it really gave me a lot of perspective, but it also allowed me to really understand the value of how much you can achieve if you really have the right pieces and the right mentality and the right consistent work, you know, because I think back for what many people don't know, Stephen, is uh, growing up, I actually played for my dad. My dad never played soccer. I told you he did play professional basketball, but for many people, that's not good enough because he didn't play soccer. You know, I, he played, coached me my entire club soccer career. I did play on the regional team. I was I was on the state team um, with the best players in the area. I was on the top team in the country for high school. We were number one in the country. None of that mattered because at the end of the day, I was a black girl in a white sport coached by her dad. So for me, when I had the opportunity to win All-American, to win our conference championship, to be named conference MVP, to be able to lead us to the NCAA tournament, those were the the reasons why it was so special to me because I had a lot of people that counted me out that um, did not think I was good enough did not respect my talent because of what I looked like or because of my dad or whatever other reasons when at the end of the day I I was able to then show them no I, I deserve to be here so it's very fitting if you think about what I deal with as a being a woman in sports media it's very similar. So that's honestly why for me, the challenges I face in sports reporting and, and, and every day, I've, I've already dealt with this. I've already been through this in soccer. I've gone through this a million times, been here, done that. Same, same game, different name. But um, it definitely was an experience that really not only helped me out to be able to reach those pinnacles, but now moving forward gave me an incredible amount of confidence that I can step into this next chapter in my life to, to pursue. Those are amazing points. So from your perspective, just to expand on soccer and diversity, what like what is your current outlook or stance on just the diversity of soccer in America? Oh, it's not great. I'll tell you that. I'm still very involved in youth soccer. I still coach, actually. Uh, I was coaching earlier today. Um, you know, I still am actively coaching because I do want to help other girls, especially. Um, but I, I coach boys as well. But helping other kids that look like me. Um, and, and that's not just black kids, that's all races, black, white, Spanish, whatever it may be, 
you know, I do think, unfortunately, for soccer, youth soccer, and this goes for a lot of youth sports, it's, it's the politics that you see as adults, it, it starts in sports. It absolutely starts favoritism, putting people on a pedestal, giving kids opportunities, uh, caring more about some kids than others. So for me, that's, that's why I've always stayed involved in any capacity, you know, and I, I, I don't know how long I will be able to stay involved in youth soccer, but it's been years now that I've been actively involved and whether it's just helping one kid or, or dozens of kids, whatever it may be, that's my reason why, because I do see and know so many people that over the years I played with coached played against that were phenomenal players, but because of the politics, because of, of the lack of diversity and representation, because it's a, a sport primarily coached by white men, um, that that don't know how to connect with girls that don't know how to talk to, to girls let alone girls of different backgrounds there were a number of players that quit that stepped away from it so it's it's a shame because at the end of the day for as much as we all love sports at the youth level it's supposed to be an opportunity for more than just sports it's a chance to be in a great environment to learn life lessons to compete to make friends to make good memories to have a chance to use your talents to go on to play in college you know, it's, it's really more than just soccer. It's more than just a sport. So, you know, I know I even posted about that. It's, it's more, it's a lifestyle that you're teaching through sport. So it's a shame, honestly, the politics, I think it's getting better, but that's not saying much at all. It wasn't too long ago that black players were getting bananas thrown at them at the fields and hearing racial slurs and things like it still happens. So although it's evolving and changing, it's got a long way to go. I think basketball and football are ahead, but we look at things like the Rooney rule and other issues that are still going on, whether in coaching or in playing, and there's still a, a large gap that needs to be made up in all sports, definitely in sports that are pre primarily white, predominantly white affluent um, players, lacrosse, soccer, um, you know, the list goes on and on tennis. So it's changing, but it's, it's, it's not, that's not saying much. Yeah, I agree. I think with me going to an HBCU in Baltimore, remember one time, um, I think we faced George Washington in basketball and it was of course of a cash a check game. We was getting paid to be there and we won. So I remember after we winning and I was actually sitting in for the athletic department because I was the only person there. And I remember during the game, it was like nice to me. I remember, I remember after the game, they were just like shocked. I'm like, why are you so? So I think it's just from both of our experience. I think we've seen, especially on the collegiate level, just how race is still just hurting people and it's still used as a weapon. Even kind of want to hear your perspective on when it comes to the WNBA and at, and activism. We're seeing, we're kind of entering a, a American sports era where we're going to hear political views every day in the middle of sports broadcast. So what is your perspective on mainly the WBA leading activism and just really the argument when it comes to just political beliefs in sports? Yeah, I think that the whole concept of like sports being separate from politics is tired. It's old, it's a very um, out of touch mindset because why do we say the national anthem? Why do we have flags? Why do we have, especially for, for major games, they have police officers and military personnel there, there are so many elements of politics, the government, the military weaved into sports. You can't separate the two at all. And at the end of the day, as, as we're seeing players that are taking that stance of more than just an athlete, you are more than just an athlete. You know, at the, at the end of the day, when you take your sneakers off and you step out away from basketball and you go home, 
or you're walking on the street or you're at the store, no, people are looking at you. Yes. As a basketball player, especially if you are an NBA player or, or someone that looks like a basketball player, quote unquote, but you're still a person. You're still a female, a male, a black person, white person, whatever it may be. So if you can't step aside from who you are in terms of your profession to defend who you are as a person, where's the value in that? You know, so I think you have to speak up, especially we're talking life or death in terms of social injustice. We're talking about being comfortable in this world, walking outside in the skin you're in. So you have to be willing to speak up. And, and for me, I've always said, if I'm going to have a job, let's say a network decide they don't want me in their network because I openly speak up on racism and sexism and discrimination and sexual harassment, I don't want to work there at the end of the day. I don't, I would rather stand up for my values, what I believe in, than to, for the sake of a job, put that on the back burner. So I love that the WNBA is leading that because I think more people need to understand the value and, and also the change of, it's okay to speak up. They're not going to be reprimanded for it. And if you are, we're going to support you and make sure that you get the, the backing that you need. But that's a, the problem is that in the past, you speak up, you're blackballed by the NFL. You speak up, you lose your job. You speak up, nobody wants to work with you anymore. No, we're not doing that anymore. We're not having that. We're not settling for that. In 2021, you speak up, people better listen. And if they don't listen, we're going to make them listen. So I like that the WNBA has been leading that. The NBA has been doing that. Mark Cuban, I know we talked about him not playing the national anthem in Dallas before games. You know what? Make people uncomfortable because everybody is so quick to fight about how we are disrespecting the flag. Disrespecting the flag by taking a knee. Disrespecting the flag by not playing the national anthem. Yet, what about those that are storming the Capitol? What about the lives that are being lost? What about people that are out and going to the store? You go out and somebody thinks you may have used or, or stolen whatever the, the $20 check was, and now you're dead. Like, let's, let's call it for what it is. What's more important, disrespecting the flag, which we're not doing, or the, all the heinous lives lost and crimes that we've seen around social injustice. So, you know, I, I, it's just gotten to a breaking point, essentially, because of social media, because of people having the courage to speak up. It's no longer hidden. These are the same things that have been going on forever. This is nothing new, but the difference is we're catching it on video. We're catching it on video, on um, social media, excuse me. We're talking about it. We're hashtagging it. We're keeping it going, but it's time that it moves more beyond just talk into action. So I think we're going to see a lot this upcoming season uh, for sports, especially like with the WNBA, once the season gets started, I think we're going to continue to see a lot more done on the sports side in terms of how they are speaking out because it is needed and they have millions of people that are listening to them, that respect them, that look up to them. Why not use your platform to positively influence change? I agree. I think um, we're entering a phase where if we follow an athlete, before we follow them, we just, okay, cool. What's your political views? If we don't agree with you, I'm not cheering for you. Like we're literally entering a phase where everybody's doing a background check. Mm -hmm. I remember... Washington's poor quarterback. We love him, though, somewhat. Taylor Heineke in the middle of the game against he's facing Tom Brady. Somebody's like, yeah, he's a Trump supporter. We was like, whoa, no, yeah, no. It's like even something like that, you know, even in the middle of, oh, yeah, we're done. Yep. <laughs> sports, it's a cancel it, culture. Cancel culture. And if, if, oh, that's a whole episode of Finnish. I think cancel culture, I think it has its pros. I think we're entering age. If you know your American history, um, thank it's Nixon. I think think Nixon for making 
the American public actually care about stuff that's going behind closed doors. I think when you, we're in an era where we're researching history, we're kind of rewriting history because we're figuring stuff out about people. We're finding information, we're finding recordings. So I think I don't care how great you are, what you're doing for my team. If I do not really agree with your views, if I don't agree with what you're thinking, for example, Tom Brady, he was celebrating, but this man took PPP loans last year to save his brand. Mind you, dude, you're a millionaire. Mm-hmm. So of course, a lot of people at Tampa are, oh no, he's fine. He's going to. I'm like, I, I'm a type of sports fan. I cannot separate that social economical impact and the player in the game. I, I just, I will always look at the lens, and I think and you make a great point, especially when it comes to sports media. I think we've both, especially for college basketball on my end, I've most definitely been the only black person in a white mm-hmm. media. I remember one time, I think it was like UMBC or Towson, and I'm the only black guy in there. Now, mind you, I'm comfortable because I'm in my home state, but it's like, yo, I'm like 21, 22, only black guy in there. And I especially, I can tell even for you when it comes to sports like soccer and other sports that's not as diversely represented, you have, we always have to face this every single day. And it's, it's sad, but I think on a flipping, it motivates us to any room that we walk into, we make our impact and we make it known loudly. Right. Yep. Exactly. I love that. So this is a perfect transition to our halftime. You're really pushing the pace of this podcast. I love it. (laughs) Um, So halftime question number one, which aspects of sports media would you like to see more black women to thrive? Hmm. I think I'd love to see more diversity and more uh, success in areas that are positions of power. So like producers, executive roles, um, you know, I think we're seeing more and more black women on air, but I I think there's a lot of value in having that diversity in all aspects of sports media, you know, editors, like people that are decision makers, because I think that's something that is going to help as well as like right now, as a, as I can say as an on-air talent, maybe I'll see more people that look like me that are also on-air talents, but primarily everybody that is working around me that's behind the camera is an older white man you know so I when I say diversity I always mean in all aspects not even just racial diversity but also let's let's get more widespread um demographics in terms of like age instead of just all old men can I have there should be some younger men instead of all um men in general what about women let's just get more diversity in, in that sense so I think specifically to see more Black women thrive and strive in areas that are more of the thinking roles, decision-making roles, power positions, instead of just being always the, the, the face in front of the camera, because I almost feel like we get used sometimes in that sense. And, and we can make this production decisions direct, be executives, be editors, be writers, creative thinkers in that same sense as well. I think we miss, oh, I think you make an interesting point. I think I don't we miss those classic you know, like the NBA on NBC themes. I think it's, it's interesting to see leagues dominated by white people, but they're playing rap music or R&B <laughs> or commercial breaks. Well, that's that's or, everything. Yeah, okay. they're just using black culture. And it's interesting. I even, I've been in that position as a business owner. People will contact us or whatever. They're trying to contact us for the trends and what's trendy, mm-hmm. but they're not trying to pay us. They're not trying to, listen, if you want to take our ideas, make us an editor. Make us a program director, make us a CEO, make us 
put us in a boardroom. Instead of taking our ideas in the boardroom, put us in there and we can pitch it there in person. And matter of fact, we mm-hmm. can run and dictate the base. And you're kind of seeing before Braun, Renee McGrummy, you're having athletes like, okay, yeah, okay, I respect these networks because they show our they show our teams, they show our leagues. But if you want our ideas, you got to pay me for it. We're gonna do it on our own on our own. I love all of the athletes who had, especially Colin. He's been doing this for a while, almost a while now, like almost 10 years, where he's been just dictating his own pace and making his own content and really being like, hey. I'm going to keep my ideas in our community and it's going to benefit us first before anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. And this we need more turned, of that. This is turned into the social justice episode, y'all. We're going to get this out right <laughs> no, now. No, literally. Love it. <laughs> um, I'm all for it. Next question. And you're going to have a, a field day with this one. Make sure you breathe, grab your water if you have some water. Next question for the halftime. What are the difficulties you face being a Black woman in sports media? Um, you know, there's a lot, actually. Uh, where do I begin? No, I, I think the first thing is, is without a doubt, and I don't deal with this nearly as much because I feel as though I've reached a point in my career where I am gaining enough traction that I have credibility, but I know in the beginning it was definitely having the respect and credibility that I belonged. So, um, and I'm talking about from other people. So I know I used to have people that I remember I was covering a basketball game and somebody was like, do you even know anything about basketball? And I was like, Mm. (laughs) or they said, do you you even know anything about sports? Like, what do you, you know, I'm like, wow, actually I was a three-time All-American division one soccer player and I played professionally, but I, you know, I I think I know a little something about sports. Um, So, you know, in the beginning I had to do a lot more of that where I was defending myself, where I had to speak up on my behalf um, and just kind of prove that I belonged. And that's something that I've always strived to work to make sure that it gets to the point where you don't have to introduce yourself anymore, where people do know you, where your work speaks for itself. So the credibility piece but all, and the respect piece, but also trying to separate myself from other people. Because I think that one of the toughest things is to make known that I'm not here just to check a box. I'm not hired just because they want to reach their diversity quota. I'm hired because I can do my job well. And because I'm going to bring perspective and insight and break down the game in a way that they wanted me here, you know? So I think it's also just that credibility now of um, making sure to always find ways to, to continue to grow, which is why I do so much. Honestly, that's why I'm so busy. That's why I'm so always looking to find different ways and directions to take my career because I don't ever want anyone to be able to question my reputation, my work, my talents and, and to be able to, for someone to, to doubt me. So I think in general, beyond just as a black woman, but in general, you just always want to get to the point that nobody can question you. Um, and then I think also just as a black woman, as we talked about just the lack of diversity, you know, you have to learn how to navigate these rooms where there's no one that looks like you dealing with um, comments and, and, and harassment and different things like that but also just dealing with the fact that people aren't understanding you. You know, Who do you turn to when you have a question around something that's specific to being a woman or specific to um, your hair and makeup or, or anything like that? Like, who do you turn to when there's nobody that looks like you? So I think it's also just being comfortable. Like it, it took me a while to get to this point, but being comfortable being uncomfortable, you know? Like being comfortable being in a room where no one looks like you and 
you have to connect with these people. You have to be able to get on camera and not let any of that show and deliver your work in a way that you feel like you're talking, you know, for a listener to feel like they're talking, you're talking with your friend or a viewer to, to feel like they're watching, you know, friends on a panel having a conversation versus coworkers. So, you know, that conversational piece, I've had to really learn how to build, bring that and, and build that with someone uh, and find ways to connect with each person uniquely. So something I've always done as like my little trick, I just get to know everybody. I don't care if you're the janitor. I don't care if you're the director, producer. If I see you regularly, I'm going to know your name and I'm going to say hi and I'm going to ask how you're doing and we're going to have a conversation because I, I just don't, I want to know everybody. I want to get to know everybody. So that way I'm comfortable. Like I, if, if it's a janitor and I'm, and I'm lost or something, okay, hey, hey, Bob, you know, where, where am I supposed to be right now? You know, the, it's those little things that really go a long way to make your experience so much easier. So I think the, one of the toughest aspects, aside from the credibility and respect, is being comfortable in an uncomfortable space. Now, for people who are in uh, uncomfortable spaces or trying to be comfortable, what advice would you give younger or even more, or just more, anybody, any Black woman who wants to be in sports media to be successful, what advice would you give them to perform their best in uncomfortable spaces? Well, for one, you definitely have to learn how to play the game. You know, like you, you can't deal with everybody the same way. And this is, this is just as a minority in general. Like I've, my parents taught me this at a young age. You can't, you have to have multiple masks you can wear. And it's sad to have to do that, but it's the truth. You know, I can't talk to you the same way I might talk to um, a white colleague, the same way I might talk to a female, the same way I might talk to an older colleague. You have to know how to read the room in that sense of how to deal with people. And what I've seen is that those that struggle tend to be the ones that try to deal with everybody the same way. And yes, you have to be authentic. You have to be yourself, but there's a way to do that. You know, I, I, you need to be able to kind of turn it on and off in that sense. So I'm not saying you completely change up who you are and, and how you're speaking or anything like that, but in just the way that you're delivering your personality and, and connecting with people has to be in a way that's still authentic, but will resonate with them. So, you know, I think it's just learning how to work best with other people that are from different backgrounds. And that is something that soccer has actually helped me through because I was usually one of the only black girls and usually, you know, dealing with a lot of adversity and challenges and politics that I was forced to have to deal with. Okay, I know this coach doesn't like me, but how can I still work with them and and learn and, and do my best and make the most of the situation? you know, similar to what you deal with in the, in the workplace. So um, I think from the relationship building side, that's a big part of it. And then I think the other side of it is also don't ever give someone a reason. Don't ever give them a reason to question you. Don't ever give them a reason to bad talk you. Don't ever give them a, like, be early, be on, be prepared, have everything you need. Make sure you're, you're being proactive so that you know, when your name is called on, you're ready, you're prepared, make sure you're doing all the little details, because I don't ever want to give someone a reason to badly talk about my work ethic, my, my, the work that I'm doing in general. So, you know, you have to be 10 times better than your colleagues. At the end of the day, you can't do what Joe is doing or what Susie is doing. You have to be 10 times better than them. And be 10 steps ahead of them, essentially. So you're always working and you're, and you're always preparing. Because the moment you get complacent, 
is the moment that you can you can be replaced. So I think mm. from the response, the the um, the relationship side, it's understanding how to wear those different masks. But then also within a job, is you can't get too comfortable. Like I don't, I don't. When we have any sort of company happy hours, for example, I'm not, I'm not having shots and throwing back shots and stuff. I got to keep my wits about me. I have to have my one drink and a babysit and make sure that I am attentive. You know, like you can't slip up in that sense and get too comfortable where you're starting to tell gossip that's going on or sharing specifics. It's funny because people have no idea, like not people, but a lot people, a lot of people I've worked with, they know me very well, but they may not know every little detail of my life. I'm very private and, and public at the same time. You have to have those boundaries because if you give people too much of who you are, too many secrets, too much inside information, you start throwing back shots at the company happy hour and they start pulling information out of you and getting you to say things you're not supposed to. You don't want to put yourselves in any situation that can jeopardize your career. So you really have to hold yourself to a higher standard. Side note, y'all, for all those who are black in corporate America, because I'm facing that, don't go to the company happy hour. Go hang with people <laughs> at somebody's house. I always, I do go every once in a while. I don't go to all of them. I go every once in a while because that's the other thing. If you don't ever go, then they're saying, oh, you don't want, you don't really like us. You don't want to be involved. Like you're so standoffish. So I do go every once in a while, but I don't stay the whole time. And I'm definitely not drinking, you know, I'll, I'll have my one drink that I will babysit, but I'm not going to take shots or anything like that with you. So yeah, you do have to really have that balance. It's kind of interesting. Just in, just quick note, like just knowing sports, there's always like a game or a, court, a story to cover. So we 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 booked and busy. We got stuff to do. All right. Oh, we got yeah. something to analyze. But, <laughs> and let's just stay on this topic. So for people who are in your space trying to be trailblazers as black women in sports media, how can people like me, a young black male, black men, people, period, how can people be the best allies possible so that you can be successful on your pursuit of success mm, okay that's a good question it's a good question i you know i think something that i've really seen more of especially around covid with everybody being remote is that we can all have a seat at the table you know i think we have to get out of this mindset yes we're all competing but we're also not competing at the same time like you and i both want to work in the in the same industry but we're completely different sports personalities we're completely different people and what we bring so we can work together we can all have a seat at the table and I think that especially as women we tend to have this like some tend to have that old-fashioned mindset of it's like it's me or you no it's both of us let's both let's both eat like let's both grow and learn and 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 get promoted and move up in the industry so I think the biggest way to encourage allies is to understand it's okay to support someone else and still be on your grind too you don't have to put someone else down to put yourself ahead. You can you can support them and still and you and they should be supporting you as well. You know, and I know that's something I've tried I've tried to do is making more networks and groups and and threads where people are able to connect. Because I think part of it is when you don't know someone, if all I see is what you're posting on social media and we never have a conversation, I can it allows me to to come up with my own idea of who you are. Versus actually just taking time to have a conversation with you and getting to know who you are. So part of it is just opening the door, being comfortable, reaching out to people, networking, building those relationships. So now I genuinely want to support you as a friend versus I don't really know you. I might like something here and there. 
And all I see is, are these posts that I can maybe misconstrue and, and take the wrong way. So get to know people for who they are. Forget just their posts, shoot them a message, say hello, check in and see how they're doing. Build a, a professional relationship with them and then support each other so that we can all grow and learn and reach whatever our ambitions are. So allies and advocates are huge in this industry because it is so cutthroat and competitive, but it doesn't have to be cutthroat if we can all work together and help provide resources, support, guidance, feedback, whatever it may be. So I'm just a little note to myself. So since I'm in your state, you get to know Renee Washington. Okay. But in all <laughs> seriousness, um, I think you make a great point. And that's what I really, really, I saw it more from the dub, but I see, that's what I just love about women's sports and even just black people, period, within sports. The amount of support is amazing. We have NABJ, we have our threads, we have hey, instead of following this person who's on TV covering this, I'm going to follow this one Black guy or this one Black woman on social media because I want to see my people win. And that's what I love mm-hmm. about sports media. Well, the majority of my media has been sports media. I just, it's a community. We go to the games, we see the same people. We talk to the same SIDs. We talk to the same PR people. We talk to, we shoot. You made a good point. We talk to the janitor. We talk to the food people. We talk mm-hmm. to, we know the park a lot of things. Everybody knows our faces. I think that's the beauty within sports. I think that's key. Even for me who took a slight break, but I kind of still engage in sports content. I think just networking and getting to know people and just, you making a good point, just this networking period in corporate America. Learning yes. how to just be genuine. You don't have to like, ask for something or need something from somebody, just have a conversation. Just say hello, retweet their stuff, take them out, get to know them on more than professional level. Because I think you make a good point. I think we most definitely both know people that are just professional 24 seven and they don't, they just care about their work. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's great. But like, no offense, like your brand is boring. Like you're not attracted to me. This is not, your content is not making <laughs> retweet as fast as I need to be. Because I think really you make an You've been making a lot of amazing points. I just oh, thank you. summarize. Um, <laughs> you just, yeah, network, get to know people, be gentle, and, and just, and I think I've learned that the last two and a half years, especially transitioning from undergrad to struggling because the whole thing is just no joke. In all seriousness, I think being able to just want to clap when people win, that's a big thing. I like that. I like that. I'm not trying to get too churchy here, but we say it in church. If someone around you got blessed, that means God is in your neighborhood. So that means if somebody's winning that you know, I'm going to clap real hard because it might be me next. Because, mm. hey, all right. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. So episode one, I got to love that. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about your experience. So as long as you want to, because you can flex as long as you want to, talk about your media experience, where you've worked, and also some of the places you're working right now. Oh, oh, that's a long, long story. Um, I'll give you the quick version. Um, so I actually did not even study broadcasting in undergrad. I actually was a public relations major, and um, all of my internships were in PR. I went to grad school at Lehigh where I was, I was coaching there and getting my master's, but my master's was in educational leadership. So my path is completely unique in that I don't have the same education background that others do. Now, PR is very similar in a lot of aspects and as well as even the leadership side of things that I worked on. So I actually got started as a freelancer doing freelance writing while I was in grad school, as well as helping with the Lehigh sports media department, doing like 
highlights and games coverage and uh, editing and and all learning just as much about the broadcast side of the things as I could for live game production. But I actually just, while I was in, in grad school, realized if, if, if I want to do this, if I want to work in this industry, I got to make that, I got to make this leap of faith. I got to take it and make the most of this opportunity. So it was during those two years, I really like buckled down and realized this is not only what I want to do, but let me start chipping away, getting as much experience, learning as much as I could, um, networking as much as I could, getting as, as you know, just getting as much hands-on experience as possible and learning as, being a sponge, just taking all the information in that I could. And uh, since then, I have worked in a number of jobs, so I will skip the, the rundown of all those, but essentially all of my jobs have been growing and I came, I've always had a checklist of things that I want to do, you know, to work towards that, that major job. So it was getting into a job where I was on TV, working in a job where it was strictly sports, um, working in a position where I was able to work live, working in professional sports. And so I just com continued to kind of chip away. And with each job, check another list, another thing off of that list. Because I actually, in knowing what I wanted to do with being an on-air personality with a major network, was like, look, if I'm going to do this, what do I have to get? What do I have to prepare so that I will be ready to work in a major network. What is what are the job responsibilities? What are the expectations, and how can I get there? So I'm very, very um, purposeful in how I move and and everything that I'm doing. You know, everything is designed to kind of work together, and I'm always trying to think the next three steps ahead. So um, you know, I I have worked in a number of areas, and now I'm working with Fox Sports, where I cover the Wizards and Mystics, and I host my show Beyond the Headlines. I also work in the MLS Major League Soccer with the Philadelphia Union as their game day broadcaster. So that's um, pregame, postgame, halftime shows. And then I work with ESPN doing college coverage for the Ivy League, Temple University. Actually, I'm, I'm just starting up with that actually this upcoming weekend uh, back again, fortunately. But that's anything from sideline reporting to play-by-play, -play, color commentary, all different sports throughout the course of the academic year. So it's, it's just a great experience, in my opinion, to have so much versatility in the work that I do because it keeps me constantly learning and it keeps everything fresh. You know, like I don't get stale. I'm not just on the same thing over and over again. Um, and so for me, I have been growing actually a lot during COVID and started my own organization and nonprofit. That's a network for people to be able to connect. I started um, or have been doing more of, I should say like motivational speaking, which is something I've always done, but I've never really solely focused on it as well as like modeling. So there's a lot of different hats that I wear and a lot of things that I actually have in the works right now that I'm, I'm still piecing together. Um, you know, as I always say, you can share, but don't share everything, you know, keep something secret. Everyone doesn't need to know every single move that you're going to make. It's a chess, it's a chess match at the end of the day. So you got to just keep moving in silence. And there's some things that I'm working on behind the scenes right now but um, yeah, just happy that I'm able to cover right now in this moment, the NBA, the WNBA, the MLS, college athletics, and work in so many different areas across sports. Now you mentioned something close to my heart, Fox Sports. So we are a Fox family. So I think oh, yeah. right after I finished, you you started working. So I think anybody, shout them out, Ashley, Brian, 
Brandon, Brandon Kelsey, yes. <laughs> so she's going to be on this season. She doesn't know yet, but Kelsey, you're listening. You got to be on. So fun fact about Kelsey. <laughs> outside of Fox 1340, that was my first ever time interning for a sports show. So her old Stop. podcast, she had five, six years ago. I was her intern for social media. I used to live tweet her episodes. Wow, look at I that. Was like a sophomore in college. Mind you, I was a computer <laughs> science major. So I was like, oh man, I'm live tweeting a sports show. So shout out to the Fox family. We always got to shout them out every time I mention them. Oh, yeah. Episodes. And yeah, you make a you make a very interesting point. I think we're kind of like the same. I think being able to just juggle everything, but just shut up and be quiet while you're still juggling mm-hmm. everything and mm-hmm. still kind of plan more and more and more. So my next question for you is. You've set a high standard of being multifaceted within sports media and outside of sports media. What should someone do if they want to follow your path of being multifaceted and just great in many aspects? Hmm. Oh boy. Um, I think that the toughest thing is you have to understand from the beginning that people will not understand. Understand that they won't get your vision. They won't see your vision. And I actually put this as a caption, I think, for one of my Instagram posts a while back. And I always try to remind like my friends of this, people I talk to. People won't see your vision, but that's okay. It's not for them to see. And so I have stopped trying to explain to people my why or what I'm doing or what I want to do because they don't get it. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to waste my breath. And I, I hate to say that, but I'm not going to waste my time trying to explain to someone who doesn't get it? You know, it's it's not for everyone to understand. So some things in life, you really just have to be okay with doing on your own. And by your own, I'm on your own. I mean, it doesn't have to be public. It doesn't have to be promoted. You don't have to tell every little step of what you're doing on social media. I don't need to know everything you're doing from sun up to sundown. Get your get you know keep working on whatever it is you have a passion towards. And then when it's done, they'll get it. When, it's, when, it, when you have that next job, when you've got that next opportunity, when that show launches, then people are like, oh, wow, how did you do that? Where the, you know, and, and that's, I've, I get that all the time when I drop something and people are like, wow, you're doing, I'm like, yeah, but I've been working on this for like three, four months and nobody knew it. You know, like I've been preparing for this. This isn't like a spur of the moment thing. So I think one of the toughest things about being multifaceted is just that, you know, I have things that I'm like, gosh, I want to. I want to tell someone, I want to tell someone. And then I'll go and start explaining like, oh, I'm doing this. And people legitimately, I kid you not, do not understand all that I have going on. I don't always understand all that I have going on, you know, but that's okay. They don't need to. It's not for them. It's for me. As long as I get what I'm doing, as long as I know the direction I'm moving, my goals, my intent of of everything that I'm doing, that is all that matters. So I think we live in such a, a a world right now because of social media that we're looking for that gratification and that reassurance and validation that um, between likes and follows and people like promoting things on social media that you have to do the same and no, you do not. So that's something I've always struggled with and have been working through more of, especially in this last year or so that it's okay to move in silence. You know, it's okay for people not to understand. It's okay to even fall back a little like not be as active on social media, not be as active in the forefront. I know like there's been times, like especially around Christmas, for example, where I've taken off. People don't realize it, but I was not working as much as I, as I normally am because I'm like, you know what? I've got a lot going on. I need to take this time for myself to have some balance, you know? So I think it's, it's having that balance and understanding and that perspective 
of where are you now? Where are you trying to go? And how are you going to get there? And as long as you know it, like I'm, I'm big, in, I'm very into journaling. I write a lot of things down. I'm constantly writing things down as I'm progressing through just to like, okay, what am I doing now? Just to like talk through it with myself. But there's only one person that really understands it and that needs to understand it. And that's God at the end of the day. You and God, if, if you two are on the same page, nothing else. Morning family, preach. friends. Come, there we go. Yes, family, friends, colleagues, whoever. It doesn't matter. They don't have to get it. And I really do feel like I was put on this earth for something very special. And so I've, I've stopped trying to have others understand it. They will just see it. And I remember when I first started back years, um, years ago, I was thinking, I want to do something big. You know, I want to be more than just a sports reporter. I want to use my platform to inspire. And, 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 and in that time, everyone's like, wow, why do you want to do all that? Fast forward years later, and I'm, I'm, I'm not done, but I'm doing it. You know, so I think that is where you just have to sometimes just kind of put your head down and just go, just go to work, get, get chip away one day at a time. Cause I look back on where I was a month ago, a year ago, gosh, three, four years ago. And I'm like, I'm actually doing it. I'm actually doing, and it's not, it's not how I thought it was going to look because it never is. It's not the job I thought I was going to have. It's not the place I thought I was going to be living. It's completely different than how I envisioned it. It's better and I'm doing it. So you have to kind of trust and have faith that if you consistently are doing the right thing, staying focused, moving with intent and everything, it will come together. It, and, and, and that's all that matters. It, in whatever time it's supposed to come together, it may not happen overnight. It definitely will not happen overnight, but you have to be patient and continue to just chip away with each day, getting a little bit better, making progress one day at a time, one step at a time to work towards your goals. Yeah, go take a sip of water. You just encouraged me heavy. I'm over here. <laughs> that, really, that just really hit home. That literally just something I think I've learned, especially just being a little bit younger. I think you don't have to be loud all the time. Just shut up and go to work. You don't. I, you don't. I, I, I get that from my dad. My dad, literally, I saw him just go up, go to work, go home, and keep it pushing. I, especially in sports media where we consistently have to make content in the world of the digital age right now. We're always trying to be relevant. I think the greatest content creators that's around us, they're not posting seven days a week. They're posting when needed in a time matter and they're making, and it's also that factor. We want quality of, over quantity. Mm-hmm. We want good, fine material. It's like wine. We don't want to sit here and get something that was just made yesterday. I want something that's been in a, in a cabinet for 20 years. Like give me the best. Right, right, right. You make a you make mm-hmm. a lot of good points. I don't know. I'm gonna need when y'all listen to this podcast, take y'all notes, okay? <laughs> I got about good 15 points that just came out of your mouth the last 25 minutes. So we already hit the post game press conference. I didn't even tell you. I think you. I think you just won the game in the first 10 minutes of the episode. So <laughs> to shout some people out, who are your allies as a black woman in sports media? I think allies matter. Um, who are your allies in sports media, and what do they mean to you? Yeah, I've got a lot. I've got a, I've got a lot of allies of all different backgrounds. You know, I have, I'm very close with my family. Um, and they're a big reason why I am the person I am today because my family, they, they push me, they encourage me, they keep it real with me, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate that I do come from a very close family. My parents, my siblings were very close. I see them all the time. I'm fortunate. I still live in the area. Um, you know, I don't know how long my career is going to keep me in the area, but I'm happy to be able to be a part 
and have them be a part of my life it, so intricately. Then I have an extended family. You know, you, we talk about the Fox family, people like Ashley and Brian that I speak to all the time, you know, that I'm always having conversation, Kelsey, Brandon, you know, the, a lot of people through NABJ, through um, the different organizations on social media. I have some allies that are older men, younger men, older women, younger, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I would always, that I always advise others to do in terms of mentors, in terms of the people you're surrounding yourself with. You can't just surround yourself with people that look like you. And when I mean look like you, I don't mean in the physical sense. I mean that are in the same place as you, doing the same things as you, with the same mindset as you, otherwise you're not going to grow. You know, you need to diversify even the people that you're surrounding yourself with. That whole saying of you are most like the five people in your closest circle is real. So if all five of those people are the exact same personality and person in that sense, they're not going to help you. So if you have ambitions, you need to make sure that the people that are closest to you in your circle and your mentors and your close friends and even the people you're dealing with regularly need to challenge you, need to be people that will be your biggest cheerleader, but also criticize you when needed and give you constructive feedback and check you and, and help you grow and learn. So I think for me, I've always tried to have allies, but I, I definitely have between my my actual family, my blood family, and then my my sports family of people like Brian and Ashley that I literally talk to every single day and not even just about work, about life, about dating, about food and recipes and, and moving and, and our houses and like whatever else. So you really do, you can't do this alone in that sense. So when I say like, put your head down and work in silence, I mean, keep people around you, but those people don't like, I tell each person different information. I'm very secretive in that sense. And it drives like my family is always like, why do you always keep everything to yourself? Because everybody can't absorb the same information. I can talk to you about my uh, Fox sports work, but I might talk to somebody else about um, how I'm struggling with to, to figure out how to cook this recipe. And I might talk to somebody else about my car problems. Like everybody has their purpose, I feel like. So I can't have the same conversation with every person because that doesn't make sense. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think diversify the people you're surrounding yourself with, but also understand and learn and pay attention to what you can and can't talk to people about because of that exact reason. Like, I'm not going to tell, I might tell like Ashley is, is one of my best friends, Ashley Baker. I might tell her some deep, dark secrets that I might not tell someone else. You know, you have to have the awareness of knowing what you can and can't talk to people about. So allies are great, but allies can also be your biggest enemy if you tell them too much and then things go sour and they're using it against you. So just be very smart and, and choosy of, of like, keep your circle small and, and close and tight. It doesn't have to be this large group of 40 people that you're talking to every day. That's, that's not realistic. So yeah, Renee is telling y'all, um, yeah, learn how to code switch correctly. Mm -hmm. people in their circles and i'm just the same way i am literally i remember when i moved renee funny i changed my number i only gave it to like 40 people, people <laughs> i love that oh, I you love just that. moved you graduated you got some money he just yep like, yeah, I some <laughs> privacy like well leave me alone i'm alive if i wasn't if something happened my mom would have been yelled by now yeah fine go sit down somewhere <laughs> but i think that's i think that's honestly true i think real successful people they know where to put for example i go to brian about everything 
Mm-hmm. Everything. I know where Brian's a true ally. He's a true like Brian, he's, he's amazing. <laughs> I've had an episode. I'm gonna have to give him another episode. Like literally, Brian taught me social media. Brian was the reason why I got the Fox. He gave me my first sports opportunity that was not connected to Morgan State University. This was 2017. So like even when I when it comes to like seeing you or my business or whatever, I'm connected to, to some amazing people. And I think your circle, your village. Mm-hmm. It most definitely boost you and also i'm not even trying to be shady but you know just because you make it somewhere don't forget about the people who helped you to get there all right Amen. this is the this is the sermon after the sermon make sure you build <laughs> where you came from but in all seriousness you got to look out for the people who invested in you i'm not saying you got to sit yes. here and put them in your penthouse that'll be nice but when you win tell them about the win first when you're winning, mm-hmm. I, even when I have, when I have, when I succeed, I got a new role and I told Brian overnight, thank you. It's like, it's just a simple things like that, like the humility that gets you blessed in. But I'm going to stop right here before I get real churchy. Uh, but in all seriousness, this is the final question for the post-game press conference. So if you would write a book <laughs> describing your whole life up to this moment, what would the summary of of the book be on the back of the book. So if you had like three to four sentences to describe Renee Washington and your impact of what you want to do in the future, how would you describe that? Well, first of all, I've actually started writing a book. So this is, <laughs> so I was laughing as you were saying, like if you were to write a book, cause I'm like, that's one of those quiet things I've been working on so, for a while now. So Renee, there you go. Let me leave that, I'm gonna edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's a secret, but it's, it's not something that it's a secret because I am hiding it. I just, again, I don't think everybody needs to know that. Um, but gosh, a summary, good Lord. Um, ooh, this is a really, this is a stumper. This is a, tr- a truly tricky question. So I think that something that, uh, something that I would want others to understand through my book that I'm hoping that people understand not only through the book that I'm writing that Lord only knows if it'll ever get published but also through my work in general is that I and I don't know if I should say this in third person but I'm gonna say it in first person I've always strived to accomplish and and succeed in areas that I wasn't supposed to you know, and I've always, or this is really hard, or in, in ways that I wasn't supposed to, in the sense that I've always throughout my life felt like people have tried to put me in a box, tell me what I should be doing, who I should be. And I've always known that there was more for me. And it took me a while to understand that it's not enough to just think it, but you have to go after it. You have to make it happen. So through my life, I'm hoping in my work, and honestly, it's, it's not even about sports reporting. It's not even about, I don't care about fame. I don't care about likes or followers. It's about simply being able to inspire others using my platform. I always say to give a voice to the voiceless, but also using my platform to inspire people to be great, to do more than just the bare minimum, to try to strive to be more than just a blank, fill in the blank. Be more than that. Be more than just an athlete, a sports reporter, a model, an actor, an author, a, a, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever it is. You can wear many hats and you can be successful and multifaceted in all those different areas. Start a business. 
pursue that that goal that you've been and that dream you've been putting on the back burner so all that I try to do is to strive to hopefully show others through my experience and through my work that anything really is possible who would have thought I remember thinking and this is way longer than three or four sentences but I remember thinking back when I first started playing soccer it's like it gives me chills and I was terrible terrible I was the kid that stood in the middle of the field first of all back then I thought I was so good like you couldn't tell me anything but it wasn't until I was older that my my family gave me the truth I was just standing in the middle of the field, picking the grass, the game. I had a front row seat, basically. The game was all around me. I was this skinny kid with my knees were probably the biggest part of my leg um, with like, just had no idea what was going on around me. And that little scrawny, timid, shy kid has turned into an All-American, has turned into a sports reporter has turned into someone that, as you even say in the beginning of the show, the fact that you look up to me is incredible. You know, there was a time that I didn't think anybody cared about who I was and had no self-esteem and had no confidence in myself. So, you know, it just is, I try to use my story because it has not all been sunshine and, and roses and rainbows. It's been, it's been challenging. There's been a lot of bad days, a lot of long nights, a lot of crying and blood, sweat and tears and frustration. But through that, I realized that you really can achieve anything in this world, no matter what is thrown your way, no matter the challenges, no matter how many bad days you have. If you just keep going along, keep your faith, keep, keep doing the right things, you can really achieve whatever you want. So I think that's really in a nutshell, which is way more than three or four sentences, because I don't ever do anything in three or four sentences. Um, but I think that's something that I really try to bring through every aspect of who I am that's the underlying foundation of who I am as Renee Washington oh I'm encouraged I'm <laughs> this when I post this later <laughs> when I post this, Renee, out of you I'm a big fan I remember when I first like saw your brand on Twitter I was talking to Brian I'm like who is Renee I know she, who is this who is this <laughs> she's good I'm one time you interviewed me for your podcast after comps, I texted Brian, yo, Renee, she's good. Already Aww. knew she was, we knew this, but we knew it. So we are very proud of you. You're a very influential voice within the scope of Black women in sports media. But of course, us branding PR media people, please plug yourself. Where can we find your content? And also, <laughs> where can we follow you? Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Again, that, like, that in itself means way more than anything, anything. Um, but you can definitely follow me. I'm on Clubhouse and Twitter at Renee P. Wash. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Renee P. Washington. I am everywhere pretty much. Um, you can Google me. You can search me on anything and you will pretty much find my website, my pages. So definitely give me a follow. I do follow back. I do support. I'm not someone that I have not lost myself in that sense at all. And I hope I never will. Um, but I really appreciate you having me on. This has been a lot of fun. And honestly, it's forced me to think a lot differently than I ever have um and and forcing me to kind of reflect so it's this has been a great experience for me as well and i'm really admiring the work that you're doing to help promote and and advocate and tell these stories through your show i really appreciate it and one more note before we go um yeah i'm in your state so i will most definitely be i don't know i don't care if you're out of union i will be there so i think i need a tour wait where are you i'm in multiple states by the way which state? <laughs> I'm in New Jersey. So I'm near. Oh, you are in my state, state. My yeah, so state. I work 
in New York City, but I kind of stay away from the city because it's hectic all the time. I mainly New Jersey. So we'll That's talk so offline. That's so funny. That's so yes. funny because I feel like people don't really know where I live. Like I'm I'm very stealth. I'm very low-key. Oh, we so love people it. are oh yeah. So people are like, oh you're in DC. I'm like, nah. They're like, oh you're in Philly. I'm like, nah. yep, sure. But nobody really knows that I live in Jersey except like my real friends, I feel like. <laughs> Isn't it like so, a Twitter bio? Like no, it is. But people, they be because I work. Codes. I know, but because I work with DC sports and Philly sports, they assume I live there, and I'm like, nah, I just am a crazy driver apparently all over the place. So I just enjoy being on the highway. <laughs> oh boy! Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, thank you, Renee. Um, this is the postseason podcast. You can listen to where to find me, all that in my outro. Because you know, Renee, new season, new me. Renee, so good, say goodbye. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, and uh, I, I'm excited to see how your show continues to grow. Thank you, thank you so much. This is Stephen Michael with the postseason podcast. Thanks for listening. What an amazing episode. This is the Paul Season Podcast, powered by Season Media. This is Stephen Michael, the host of the Paul Season Podcast. If you want to keep up with the podcast, you can listen to the podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also SeasonMedia.co. Yes, you can listen to the podcast on your browser. If you want to follow Stephen Michael, you can follow me at Season underscore CEO on Twitter, Season.CEO on instagram you can follow my business season media at seasonmedia.co if you want to get connected professionally you can follow me on linkedin at Stephen michael thompson jr and of course this is the pause season podcast with Stephen michael thank you for listening